Amen. There's hope for everyone. Well, good morning. My name is Scott Ebert Harris. I'm one of the elders here. Um, welcome to Washera Community Church. Um, if you're visiting, glad you're here. If you're coming back for a second time, we're even happier you're here. Um, a few things that uh, we have going on. We're uh, first and foremost, a church gathered as a followers of Christ. And um, we are here to do worship that is meaningful, but also we're here to discover and develop disciples of Jesus. Um, a lot of announcements. So if you didn't get a green uh, sheet on the back, make sure you get one from the ushers in the back when you leave. Um, we have a guest speaker here today, um, Mike McFadden. He's a, the state director for the FCA, um, and he's from Texas. He's been up here for a few years, but this cold has kind of got him a little ruffled, but we're going to give him a warm welcome when he does come up. Um, know that there's a men's breakfast is this coming Saturday at 8 o'clock. So if you haven't signed up, make sure you get to do that. It's a great time to get together and fellowship with one another. Choir rehearsal is today at 1 p.m. here. So if you missed last week, that's okay. Come. Just come. Um, Christmas Eve services are going to be a little bit different this year. There'll be the one at service at 5.30 on Christmas Eve and only one service on Christmas Day at 10.30. So with that, I'm going to have a ministry minute for our churchwide Sunday school, and that's to Pastor Robert. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Good morning, everybody. Hey, four weeks from today, we're going to be in a new year, a new month, a new Sunday, and a new schedule. I don't want to rush December any more than it already gets rushed. But four weeks from today, we're going to transition to one worship service at 9.30 a.m. We're going to be one family all together here. We're going to see people we've never met before. And then we're also going to introduce an all-churchwide Sunday school. So our children's ministry will continue uh, also. But our adults will be invited to go into a Sunday school time. And we have some building maps that are coming up on the screen. And this shows our current level here. There's going to be four locations to have adult Sunday school on this level. The next map shows our lower level. There's three locations in the black circles. You can attend adult Sunday school there. And then the third map is the upper level with two other locations there. You know, I know some of us grew up in church where we went to worship and then Sunday school. We grew up with that. Or we grew up with Sunday school first and then we went to worship. And there's some of us here who never grew up with that. And I think there's some folks asking that question, well, why, why would I want to stay a second hour? Why would I? I mean, worship is great. God is great. Our preaching is great. Our worship. Why would I want to stay a second hour for adult Sunday school? I think that's a fair question, don't you? And I know all of us can go home and pray. All of us can go home and read scripture. All of us can go home and meditate on the word of God and enjoy and grow in God. But you know, there's one thing that God does when we're all together. He does great works like Pentecost. That happened when all God's people were together. And that's what we're praying for as we transition in this new year to a new worship schedule and a new church-wide Sunday school. So if, if you're hesitant about thinking, yeah, I want to do two hours on Sunday morning, think about that. When God's people get together, God does great work. So you can uh, reference all of the classes. They're in the foyer on a card like this. You can register for a class, and I'll be out there to talk with you as well, too, if you have some more questions. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Um, 
be reminded today is the first Sunday of the month, and we will have communion today. So if you did not receive your elements, make sure you get those in the back. We're going to do that um, after the teaching today. Um, prayer is always between services over here on the right side of service, so a worship center. So if you want to come up there, that would be awesome to, to see you there. We could pray together. So if the ushers would come forward, we'll pray for the offering. And we would want to be mindful that uh, we're going to be praying for our persecuted church as well. So, Father God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for the gifts that you've given, the blessings that you bestowed upon us. And, Father God, as we give back to you, we pray that you would do a wonderful work with the things that we give you so that you can further your kingdom, not only here in this local church, but in this community, in this country, and in this nation. Father, we pray for those that are out there doing your work. They're on the front lines, Father God. We pray for their safety. We pray that they wouldn't be persecuted and they wouldn't be put down, but Father God, you would just walk with them in their time of obedience to share the truth of your word and the saving grace of your your son. So we pray for those individuals that are out there doing that. We pray that you would um, walk with them and help them. And we praise these things in your son's name, Lord Jesus. Amen. The Swen family is going to come forth, and they're going to do the Advent reading for us. Good morning, church. We are the Swen family. We're reading Advent week two. Isaiah 9, 2-6 The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For us to, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on, a, on his shoulders. And he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government, and peace, there will be no end. Our second Advent reading is again from the Jesus Storybook Bible. We zoom forward many, many years after God's big promise to Adam and Eve. God made his people into a great nation, but they ignored God's ways and lost all their power and prestige, barely hanging on in the midst of exile. But God still remembered his promise and encouraged his people that the day was coming when they wouldn't have to wait for him any longer. Here is how it goes. God let the prophet Isaiah know a secret. God was going to mend his broken world. He showed Isaiah his secret rescue plan, Operation No More Tears. This is the message God gave Isaiah. It was like a letter God wrote to his children. Dear little flock, you're all wandering away from me like sheep in an open field, and now you're lost. You can't find your way back, but I can't stop loving you. I will come to find you, so I'm sending you a shepherd to look after you and love you, to carry you home to me. You've been stumbling around like people in a dark room, but into the darkness a bright light will shine. It will chase away all the shadows like sunshine. A little baby will be born, a royal son. His mommy will be a young girl who doesn't have a husband. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. He is one of King David's children's children's children's, the Prince of Peace. Yes, someone is going to come and rescue you, but he won't be our 
anyone expects he will be a king, but he won't want live in a palace, and yet he will heal the whole world, and will he will be the hero of no he will fight for his people and re rescue them for the from the enemies but he won't fight with swords he will make the blind see he will make the lame leap like deer he will make everything the way it was always meant to be but people will hate him and they won't listen to him. He will be like a lamb. He will suffer and die. It's the secret rescue plan we made from the beginning of the world. It's the only way to get back, but he won't stay dead. I will make him alive again. And one day when he comes back to rule forever, his fame will fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. Everything sad will come untrue. Even death is going to die and he will wipe away every tear from every eye. Yes, the rescuer will come. Look for him. Watch for him. Wait for him. He will come, I promise. Poor Isaiah. He read God's letter over and over to God's people, but no one listened to him, ever. They didn't want to hear God's promise. They didn't believe it. Did it sound maybe too good to be true? Please pray with me. <clears throat> God, we are so much like your ancient people. <clears throat> we find that waiting is difficult. Thank you for your prophet. Prophets like Isaiah, who gave your people hope and who gives us confidence and your, your plans always to come to pass. Thank you for your spirit. Give it on as our comforter as we wait again for Jesus to return. Amen. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm going to let you try and get inoculated to the accident. Okay, it's going to get heavy, just warning you. There's going to be some phrases that come out, and you're like, what did he just say? Don't worry, we'll get through it. Um, it's a blessing to be here with you today. Um, just uh, real thankful uh, that I got the call. Pastor Adam called. We had a few phone calls, had a few emails and things like that, and he uh, told me where you guys were at uh, as far as uh, in, in the book of Matthew, and uh, especially this time of year, it's a great portion of Scripture to be in. And uh, as I read through the, the next portion of Scripture, um, and, and obviously spent some time in prayer about that, and uh, was getting with the Lord to, to try and find out, okay, you know, what, what are some, some things that we can take away uh, from this portion of Scripture, and, and tying it in not only with, with this time of year, uh, with Christmas time coming up, but also uh, with it being Communion Sunday. Because um, that's, that's an important thing to, to take part in and take reflection with. So, uh, uh, if you would, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Uh, I am going to be uh, 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 reading out of the King James. It's it's just it's what I've grown grown up with, and it's what I know. Uh, so if it if it reads a little different, uh, uh, bear with me. If you want to just sit and listen, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter one, verses eighteen uh, through twenty five. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. 
But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth, brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, once again, uh, is an absolute blessing. Uh, it's an honor. It's a privilege uh, to be here today, Lord God, with these people. Lord God, we thank you for everyone that's here today. We thank you for those that have maybe traveled. Uh, we thank you for the safe traveling mercies to get here. Lord God, we pray for those that might be uh, uh, maybe watching online from their home, whatever the case might be. Lord, we pray that uh, you be with those that couldn't be here. Uh, maybe some folks are sick or traveling. And uh, Lord, we pray for Pastor Adam while he is away. Pray that he's uh, uh, getting some uh, some time of refreshing and recharging with his family out in Colorado. Uh, please uh, bring him back here safely at the appointed time. Um, but Lord God, I, I just ask that you please help me now. Uh, Lord God, take me out of the way. Uh, help me to be a faithful messenger to deliver your word. Uh, Lord God, that, that uh, I would just be a clear messenger to, to give the people uh, what you have for them today. Lord, we love you. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. I do pray. Amen. Um, so for lack of a better title, I did title this message, uh, It's Just Communion. That's no big deal, right? But, but there is kind of a double meaning here. Um, one of the first things that we're going to look at as we dive into this portion of Scripture in Matthew chapter 1 here is... Uh, as it was pointed out last week, I even went back and listened to Pastor Adam's uh, message last week as you guys went through the genealogy. So obviously, this is an amazing, this is an important and very pivotal portion of Scripture for a lot of different reasons. You know, we've, we've already been given so many prophecies and indicators, uh, even as the family read here this morning, right? We, we were given all of this, these clues that Jesus Christ was coming in the Old Testament, but now he's here. Like, this is the first time in Scripture we're like, hey, it, it's here. And so this is the first time that we see uh, his name, the genealogy. We see all of these things that says, hey, it's about to happen. He is about to physically step on scene. Uh, so there's so much going on in this portion of Scripture. Uh, but what I do also like is we get some of these peripherals. We get some of this background information. Uh, and again, I know Pastor Adam went through a, a lot of neat things in the uh, in the genealogy last week, uh, but now we're kind of given a little bit more of a picture. And, and let's face it, we kind of get to even look at someone here uh, who really isn't thought of that much of after the birth, and it's Joseph. You know, like even today, we know that there are a lot of uh, other religions and things out there that put a lot of emphasis on Mary. And Mary is still given a lot of a lot of clout, but we don't we don't really talk much about Joseph. But what I want you to notice what the Bible says here in, in verse nineteen it says then Joseph her husband being a just man, and we need to take note of that. 
uh, when we're looking at the guy who was essentially, for lack of a better term, chosen to be Jesus Christ's stepdad. Like, he was his earthly father. He was the guy that, that was going to raise this baby all the way up, taught him the skills of carpentry. And, and for you dads out there, you know what kind of responsibility that is to be responsible for a child. And what you impart on that child, what you teach them, that's an important thing. So Joseph was a just man. Let me ask you a question and how we can apply this to ourselves spiritually is, um, have, you ever, have you ever just had that feeling or that thought that, that you just simply couldn't measure up, that you didn't measure up? That, that no matter what you tried, uh, uh, maybe you, you slip up every now and then, and you're like, man, you know what? I'm, I'm just, I'm never going to get ahead in this Christian life thing. I'm, I'm never, never going to amount to anything. So what does that mean? What does that mean to be just? What, what did it mean for Joseph to be considered a just man? And, and we know, we know that there were certainly at this time, because of uh, technically, they still would have been under the law. So there's these things that they, you know, um, the, the Mosaic laws, the sacrifices, the feast. Uh, we know in one of the other accounts that, that Joseph was even taking his family uh, so that they could go obey and pay the taxes, right? I mean, he was doing everything that he was supposed to do. But there are some other things that we get clues to here. I mean, he was clearly a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and down to David and Solomon, uh, even through uh, uh, Ruth and Boaz, right? I mean, he was part of that bloodline, which again, prophecy told us about that was going to happen. Uh, but, but notice what it says in verse 20 here. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared. So in other words, he was already considered a just man. He didn't become a just man after the revelation. He didn't become a just man after he was told, uh, you know, what was going to happen. He was already a just man before that. So we had a lot of things that are that are lending credibility to his justness. He was part of the royal line. Uh, he was part of prophecy. It, it was all uh, it was all coming together. Now I'm one of those that I I do not believe in going to other sources to clarify or define the Bible. However, there are other sources out there that are helpful, you know, give us some understanding. Um, so even something like going to the dictionary, you don't really understand what a word means. And I think that this is, is, is important. When you look at even what the dictionary has to say about the word just, what does it mean to be just? It's acting or being in conformity with what is morally good and upright. Conforming to a standard of correctness. Uh, legally correct, like if, if a criminal receives a just punishment, that's what's legally correct. And then exact or precise, you know, when you say like, man, that is, that is just what, what I needed. That is just what I expected. It's perfect. It's concise. It's precise. Then if we, if we look up that phrase, just man, in the Bible, um, I love doing word searches in the Bible. Um, when something shows up for the first time, there's, there's kind of that rule of first mention. When something shows up uh, for the first time in the Bible, it usually sets a good precedence of, of the meaning of that word or topic throughout the Bible. So if you look up just man 
a just man. That shows up 10 times in the Bible. Most of the times, it is referring to like some qualities or characteristics, but it's also given reference to a few very specific individuals. Noah, John the Baptist, Cornelius, which is unique in and of itself, but that would be another message, uh, and of course, Jesus Christ. So now think about that. Joseph was just lumped in with a very, very specific group of, of Bible giants. I mean, to, to be considered in the same term with Noah, that says a lot for this guy who is just a, a lowly carpenter, right? He wasn't anything special, but yet the Bible refers to him as a just man the same way that it only did for a few more individuals. I think that says a lot. And then, of course, the Bible has over 80 references uh, to just. And these are the references that definitely uh, go. Sorry, guys, I appreciate you having my back on the I forgot that I had this. <laughs> um, uh, so here's just an example. There are a lot of verses that will then give you those qualities uh, or those things that help us define what a just person is. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Okay, dads, this one's for you for a second. What are the things that you are doing in your daily walk with the Lord that is specifically to serve as that teaching and instruction to your children? Now, how many of you heard this growing up? Do as I say, not as I do. I heard that a lot growing up, and it was like, what? <laughs> Isn't it? But dads, I hope you're not living that phrase. What are you doing? What are you doing that your children are seeing? Because if you're walking in your integrity, that's going to carry on. That's an example that you're setting forth for your children. Proverbs 24, 16. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Uh, can anybody attest to that it's probably been way more than seven times? <laughs> 777 times? I don't, I, I've lost count, right? Hey, you, you fall and you mess up, get back up. You, you dip back off into that sin that you thought you put down 20 years ago. Guess what? Get back up. You let your eyes wander something. Guess what? Fall down, get back up. Just keep getting back up. That's what a just man does. He doesn't stay down. But now because we are being introduced in Scripture, we're being introduced to this big change, we're being introduced to Jesus Christ stepping on scene, we also know that there's going to be this big doctrinal shift, right? There's going to be a change in the definition of just. We know that today in this church age, in this age of grace, it, it takes on a slightly different meaning. What does it mean, though? to be just today. Can we even be just? What would it take for someone to refer to you as a just person? I mean, wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love that if someone else was talking about you to a third party and they're like, man, do you know Scott? And he's like, oh yeah, that's a just man right there. I mean, what a testimony. What a testimony that would be if someone else referred to you 
as a just man or a just woman. So what would that mean? What would that look like? What would it take for someone to refer to this, to refer to this that way? Um, but I'm here to tell you, it, it, it's attainable. It's possible. It's just there's going to be some requirements. And there's going to be some things that we need to look in the Bible, not based on our definition, not based on our thoughts and feelings. What does the Bible have to say about what it takes to be a just person? The Apostle Paul, thank you again, the Apostle Paul starts to give us some of this. I'm sure you've heard this verse, uh, Romans 1, 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, there are several times when the Apostle Paul kind of has that as it is written or it is written. So let me just throw this little note out there. If you're ever doing personal Bible study or anything like that, look, if, if, if you see that written, it is written, go back and look it up. Look up where he got it from. So Paul actually took that from Habakkuk 2.4, chapter 2, verse 4. The Bible says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, see, that's interesting, because what are we convinced of time and time again? Oh, the Old Testament, they had to obey the law, they had to do this, they had to do, 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 do. The Bible just said, well, it's not like faith is still included. It, it wasn't just doing a bunch of stuff. It also wasn't not doing a bunch of stuff. Right? Let's face it, there was a lot of stuff that you could do in the Old Testament. Hey, go pick up sticks on the Sabbath. What would happen to you? Right, so there were, there were just as many things that you had to not do. But here, even in the Old Testament, it's, uh, uh, faith is still involved. The just shall live by faith. Yes, they had to obey the law. They had to do the sacrifice. They had to do a lot of work. There's no doubt about that. But was it without faith? Of course not. Remember, Abraham. Uh, jump forward in the Bible, James chapter 2. James gives a really good explanation of that balance that Abraham had to live with in balancing out works and faith. Because remember, did Abraham have the law? Did he have the law of Moses? No, he lived far before that. So then how could Abraham, if, if we just think the Old Testament was all about obeying the law, how do you describe what Abraham did? Because he didn't have the law. He had to live on some faith. Now, were there things that Abraham had to do? Absolutely. Abraham had to make that step of sacrificing his son Isaac. That was clearly a work. That was clearly something he had to do. But he had to have faith in a God that told him to do it. So then, what is it today? Again, in this church age, what is it that we're supposed to have faith in? Folks, one of the things is, is we've got to know that today, it's that grace. Grace reigns today. We don't have to obey the law. It's still good to, to go back and read it and understand the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament law. But, but folks, grace is what saves us today. Our righteousness, our justness, for lack of a, of a better word, 
comes by faith. But faith in what? Faith in your good deeds? Faith in your good works? Faith in your good looks? Faith in your finances? Faith in your strength, your abilities? Faith in what? I, I mean, I think every one of us could admit that we, we probably have faith in other things. Like, like if you've had any type of education and training and, and you have a job that, that you put your skills, I, I'm sure you could admit that there are times where you have faith in yourself to be able to carry out your duties and tasks, correct? And, and you may be the, the best at your job, but is that going to do anything for you eternally? Absolutely not. Here's a question. Is faith in God simply enough? Folks, I promise you, there are a lot of people out there that have faith in God, but they don't know Jesus Christ. So even just simply saying that you have faith in God, I'm sorry, that's not enough. It's going to take more. If we look back in our in our text here, we see we see what this other layer is, and and I like I like this phrase right here. Right, I, I like I'm an army guy, by the way. I spent a lot of time in the army, served overseas in Iraq. So we we need acronyms. We, we can't remember stuff. So I like acronyms. Uh, full assurance in trusting Him. Trusting Him for what? We'll look at what the Bible says back here in Matthew. Matthew one twenty one. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It wasn't just about Jesus stepping on the scene uh, and and setting up a a kingdom, a dictatorship. Now, we know that's going to happen in the future, okay? But it was about so much more than that. It was about him saving us from our sins. And that's that layer of faith, folks. You can't, I mean, we can't even say, hey, faith in God, sorry, not enough. Faith in Jesus. We're getting close, but we're not quite there. And and let me remind you why. Um, I think there's another verse that says something like, uh, even the devils believe. Any devils going to heaven? So even having faith in just Jesus, period, sorry, not enough. Satan himself knows Jesus. I mean, he, right, 40 days in the wilderness after the fasting, took him up into the mountain, right? The devil knows Jesus. He knows exactly who he is. I don't think he's going to be allowed back into heaven. So what is that next layer? Folks, it's that faith in Jesus Christ, that he was the only begotten son of God, and he came for our sins. But even Joseph here, so again, we're going to go back to Joseph, and what was it? How was Joseph this just man? Joseph was already exercising some of this faith that we see here. Um, remember, we already saw this stuff in verses 19 and 20. Um, again, I'm going to kind of talk to the guys here for a second. 
Put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a second. All of a sudden, the, the woman that you love, the one that you have espoused to marry, uh, shows up pregnant. And you know, you didn't have any part of that. What would your reaction be? I, I mean, be honest. What would your reaction be, guys? Joseph clearly knew that something else was going on because Joseph said that he chose, he was not willing to make her an example and he was not willing to put her away. Joseph clearly had something stirring up in his heart that he knew something bigger than him was going on here because he had already made that up in his heart and in his mind before the angel of the Lord showed up on scene and told him what was going to happen. That's a just man right there. That's a just man that was exercising some faith. And what does that faith look like for us today? A uh, portion of scripture, I'm sure you're well familiar. This is one of my favorite verses when it comes to talking about uh, salvation for us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 5. Well, I'm sorry, I jumped one ahead too soon. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting verse 5. Uh, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through, uh, through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's what faith looks like for us today. And remember, as it says in Hebrews, right, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We haven't seen him, folks. We haven't seen Christ. We get the pictures of him through his word. But that's what it is going to take for us to be just today. Paul hits on it again in Galatians 3.11, right? But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. But again, that faith, that faith in what? That faith in Jesus Christ that he is our personal Lord and Savior because he died for our sins, he took our sin debt, and he paid it in full. So can we be just? Yes, absolutely. Look, I'll go ahead and get to it. I'll, spoiler alert, right? <laughs> can you be just? Yes. But it's going to take two steps, at least, at least two steps, probably more like a thousand steps, but whatever. Step number one, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. As the only begotten Son of God who knew no sin but willingly became sin, he took that sin, bore it in his flesh, and that by his stripes we are healed. He was crucified, died, buried, rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God and coming back someday to set up his throne on this earth. Folks, you take full assurance in that, and you have just taken the biggest and hardest step to being just. And I don't know 
uh, where each and every single person is at today. I hope that everyone in here is saved. I hope that everyone in here is a child of God. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe that has, has just never been clarified for you or whatever else. But folks, it's not complicated. It's not by anything that we've done. It's what he's done for us. And if you can accept that, then you partake in that spiritual inheritance and become just. And that's our, that's our standing, right? That, that's our spiritual standing. Our soul and spirit are, are just at that point with God. Physically speaking, we still have to live in this flesh and our state, right? The difference between your standing and your state. Your state is you still live in this flesh and you're still going to have to deal with it and you're still going to have to fall on your face and get back up, right? But your standing with God is just. And the second step is now actively living it and showing it to a lost and dying world around you. And so now I can jump here because, folks, we are not to hide our light, right? We're not to put up these walls and say, you know what? I've worked so hard from getting away from my sin and whatever else, so now I'm just going to put myself in a concrete bunker and never see the light of day again. No, 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 no. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So now, well, wait a minute, Mike. I thought we just got finished talking about the Old Testament, law, do things, right? But new to, hey, it's grace. We're, we're saved by grace. I don't have to do works. No, you're right. You don't have to do anything. But it's what God saved us unto, good works. Those good works are not just for us. The Bible also says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18, but the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. What is that perfect day? It's the day Jesus comes back. It's the day he steps back on this earth. So if we are to be just, our good works need to be a shining light to those that don't know Christ, and we need to keep doing it until either the Lord takes you out of here by natural death or whatever, or the rapture, or until he comes back. Whatever it is, folks, that's what we're called to do, to live out by faith this Christian life. So it's that faith that declares or establishes our justification. Do we merely live by faith? Do we, do, we, do we merely go by just because, hey, people see you and see that you always have a, a bright countenance, that you always have a good attitude, that you're always friendly? Uh, again, no, it's, it's not enough. And, it, and, it, and it, again, please don't, please don't miss this. <laughs> I am not trying to overemphasize works. We cannot, will not be justified by our works. Okay? Don't, don't miss that. But it doesn't remove the responsibility of good works. Does that make sense? 
So just like what we read in Ephesians 2, look at what it says in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, he created us in Christ Jesus, which means after our salvation, unto those good works, to be shining that light. And again, maybe, maybe go home, read this on your own, uh, James chapter 2. That whole chapter uh, just really takes a good deep dive into that balance between faith and works. And let me, let me just read a couple of these verses here. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. We don't have time. But James chapter 2, verse 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. I will show thee my faith by my works. I mean, let's face it. Can it, you don't have to raise a hand or anything, but just think about this. Have you ever had to do something where you literally had to step out by faith and just hope that it was going to work out? Folks, that, that's part of those works that we have to be willing to do. Probably one of the most important things that we can be doing as a born-again child of God is now simply sharing the gospel with those that haven't heard. You know, I'm currently reading a book uh, by, on, on Charles Haddon Spurgeon, right, the great English preacher. Um, and there was a quote, and I really like this quote. Um, well, sorry, I'm missing slides again. Forgive me. Charles Spurgeon said, an ounce of personal testimony was worth more than a ton of heavy theology. Folks, look, you, you don't need to impress a lost person with how much scripture you have memorized. But if you have a solid testimony of how Jesus Christ saved you, you have no idea how much that can impact somebody else. Be able to share your testimony. But let me add this caveat to it. Um, if your testimony doesn't point someone else to the cross, then you didn't share your testimony. All you did was share your story. Does that make sense? If your testimony ends up talking 10 times more about what you did and how you did it and me, me, and I, and I used to be this and I used to be that, and but okay, great, gotcha. But if your testimony doesn't point someone else to the cross and how to get saved, then, then you just talked. That's all you did. You didn't share your testimony. Your testimony needs to show someone else how they can get saved. Another thing that, that um, you know, we got to think about, here's, here's another uh, characteristic of, of just. Proverbs 29, 10. The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. Now, folks, you think about that for a second. Let that, let that one marinate in your brain. There is a lot of hate going on in this world right now. So much hate against the very things of God. The very things that God created, the world is getting to question. Because they want to. I'm not even going to get off into gender issues and whatever else, but you know what I'm talking about. The world is doing everything they can to talk about how much they hate 
the things of God, and yet we are supposed to do what? We're supposed to seek their souls. We're supposed to try and go after them and share the gospel with them. Another great thing, and I love the way this is coming together today. Again, this is where you got to give the Lord credit. Another great thing for us to be continually doing as Christians that is a way to be a shining light, to be a beacon, to be a reminder, is folks, that it is partaking in communion. This is something that we should do out of remembrance, out of respect, out of reflection, not just because it's a tradition, not just because, oh, well, oh, it's communion Sunday. Okay, give them a little thing. No. Folks, this is a very sobering time. But it's also something that could serve as an example to those who don't know, to those who don't know why we do it. And again, 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Because we were unjust prior to salvation, correct? That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So folks, we are remembering what he did. We are remembering who we were and remembering who we still are. I don't know about you, but about the only thing that I can really claim in this life on a daily basis, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And I try my best to say that out of a place of humility, not a place of defeat. Like, I'm not going to live like an Eeyore Christian. And, oh, I'm just a sinner. I'm not going to do anything for God. No, I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I'm going to do my best to fall down and get up again and wake up tomorrow and be thankful that His mercies are new. Try and do a little better tomorrow than I did today. Because let's be honest, uh, we can get a little callous to that sometimes, can't we? The sin, the flesh, the world, the devil, all that stuff, man, sometimes we can let it creep in a little too much, don't we? And we get distracted and we get run down. Maybe we dip back off into some stuff, whatever, okay? It could be a million different things. So we need to be reminded it's good for us to stop, pump the brakes, hit the pause button, go to the Lord. And do as the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Y'all love how much that word has shown up today? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm sure, I know Brother Scott's going to come up here in a, in a little bit and, and, and go over some more verses and, th- and some things that we need to do prior to taking communion. Um, but let me leave you with this to kind of wrap all this up for you in our definition of being just in this church age. Again, remember, it's not you that's just. It's Jesus Christ that gave you his justness. That when God looks down on us, even in our sin and everything else, he sees a saved sinner. But I also love how the Apostle Paul, even as Paul was talking about communion in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, uh, listen to how he kind of puts the bow on this. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one: For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord 
that we should not be condemned by the world. Folks, if you're willing to submit yourself and fall before that throne of grace and judge yourself today, you know what, Lord? Yeah, this last week, man, I had this little slip, slip up here. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Man, you know, I, I, I got this guy at work that just, I would, I would love to give him such a hug that it would literally force his eyeballs to pop out of his head. Uh, that's how much I love this guy. But you know what? I, I know that's, that's not the attitude I should have. You know, you're driving down the road and someone cuts in front of you. Oh, bless their heart. They must have just been driving with their head up their fourth point of contact. I told you, I told you some, some, okay. But that's not what comes out of your mouth in that morning, in that moment, is it? Okay. Folks, that's all stuff that we can take some time here and come to the Lord, offer ourselves up, judge ourselves so that we can be just before a just and holy God. So if you are saved today, if you're a born-again child of God, take rest in that, folks. You can be lumped in the same category as Joseph, as a just man. If you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, folks, let, let me say, I know that there are some elders here. Scott, my, look, please do not leave here today if you don't know for sure. Don't leave here today if you're wondering what that means. Can I be just? Can I be saved? Because you can. So with that, uh, Brother Scott, can you come? Thanks, Brother Mike. So if you haven't received your elements there in the back, just raise your hand and we'll get you to the a few of them. Um, but again, communion is a really, a, it's a time to reflect upon God's grace. As we just heard um, that he sent Jesus to die on our place on that cross. Um, we, we have to remember the suffering and the death that he did on our behalfs. Um, that should really help us to focus on where we're going, right? That should give us our, our so-called compass. Um, Jesus said this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So it's a, kind of, it's a time for us to check um, our, ourselves, our hearts, and look forward to the return that's going to happen. Um, so I'm going to read Psalm 139. And I read this every time I do communion because it's, it's important. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in a way of everlasting. It also states in 1 Corinthians 11, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in the Lord of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment upon himself. So as, that, as we hear the music behind me just playing for a sec, just take a moment be transparent before the Lord. Make sure you're right.
During the Last Supper, Jesus spoke of his body, which would be broken. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23, the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, Father God, we are thankful for the life that you gave on our behalf. You freely, selflessly, sacrificially gave yourself. Because of that, Father God, I stand before you just. Nothing I did, as we just heard, nothing that I can do but what you did because of your grace. So we are thankful. The cup, the juice that we have right here, it spoke of his blood. The perfect son of man, or, or perfect son of God, became the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies concerning a redeemer. So in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Father God, Lord, I just, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for those that know you as Father. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the sacrifice that you have given. Father, I just pray that today as we remember in taking communion together, that we will always stand before you just because of what you did, and we would walk in your grace, your truth, and in your power to live a life according to your way so that people will see us for who we are, broken vessels. But, Father God, because of what you've done, we can be those lights. And they may say, what do you got that I don't have? So when we leave, Father God, we would say, it's Jesus. And then we would be able to articulate to them how they can know him as well. I pray that you would impress that upon your people's hearts and ask this in your son, Lord Jesus. Amen. We're going to call you rise with us as we sing this last song. How wonderful, how beautiful it is to know that when God looks down and sees us, he sees his perfect, loving, and awesome son. And as we sing this last song together, uh, we will continue our praise, not just now, uh, not just this week, but forevermore as we stand before the King. Amen. So we are in the time of a season for giving and gifts. And the greatest gift we have is Jesus. So I'm going to send you out with this benediction out of 1 Peter 3. So when you come across somebody, you have a gift to give. That's Jesus. So do this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks 
you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That's our responsibility as Christ followers, to share what you have. Amen? Have a great week. God loves you all.